This week on Backyard Footy. How was uh, Maryland for you guys? Maryland was amazing. The college life is amazing. To College Park, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, you know, like one of my favorite things was like beating up on Virginia. You know, I'm like, you know, so that was like one of my favorite parts. I mean, like, you know. What's up, footy fans? Welcome to the 22nd episode of Backyard Footy with your host, Hugh Roberts, where each episode I dive into the backgrounds, journeys, and experiences of professional athletes, current athletes, and anyone that's been involved with the game. Backyard Footy is brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network of Podcasts. That's bgn.fm on the internet. You can also follow them on Twitter at the bgn.fm. Backyard Footy is also brought to you by Roughneck Scarves and Golden Gold Press. We're here at Hoppin right now, trying something new. Here are my boys, George Davis. Brian Ombi and Sonny John As you can see, we're playing darts right now. What's up, G? It's good, Ombi. Good to see you guys. So yeah, as I said, we're trying something new, playing darts here. Um, we're also doing something new, doing something kind of cool where we're doing an impromptu reception, no questions, nothing written down, just going with the flow, having an open table discussion, just talk about current things. So without further ado, what's good, homie? How's your travels? How you doing, dude? Not too bad, homie. How was it? How's the travel day? You know, good travel day. Training this morning. Though in the league, you know, like even the teams that you know aren't high in the table, 
you know, look at a team like like Charlotte, like you, you know. You guys had a tough start to the year, but you obviously have a lot of quality on the side. And, you know, we've kind of struggled with, with some of the, the two teams, you know, and that's, uh, that's always a, a different challenge. You know? We went down to Atlanta this past weekend, Atlanta too. Up 1-0, casual, chilling. They woke us up 2-1. We're down 2-1 within like 10 minutes after that. Ended up finishing 2-2. But yeah, same thing. We tied them at home. Every time I play a two-team, we're just chopping down. I wouldn't even say that they're level, because these kids can ball, too. So you know, we take them for granted or something. Yeah, it's, just, it's just a little bit different. You know, so I put a finger on what exactly it is. But, you know, I, it's funny, you know, when I first came into the league, there was no two teams but you would go and play like a reserve team so you might play you know Columbus Crew at the time I was in Orange County and you play the Galaxy you know but you're playing you know some of the first team guys who are trying to get fit get back into the team young guys who are trying to make a name for themselves so there's definitely a lot of motivation for the young players today. And even when we were in Richmond and we played the young teams, yeah, yeah, yeah. we just had the mentality. That's the mentality that's stuck with me now. Like, when we play Red Bulls, Red Bulls is good, but we always beat Red oh, Bulls. Always, every single like, Dominating, too, a good 4-0. I feel like we just had the mentality. Like, these are young kids. We're going to show one message. And then they're like, yeah, they're all right, but they're kids. And then they're like, <laughs> yeah. We played last week, man. Those three started. On 03? Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, the next five, I feel like five to ten, the next wave of generation of kids is going to change this whole league. It'll be interesting what the leagues do because you know, I've heard rumors of say pushing all the two teams down to the the, the USL one. You know, so what would that do for the dynamic of of the leagues in the USL? You know, also like if promotion relegation within the USL leagues is a possibility. That's what I heard you know, too. How can how does that affect the two teams? Or how does that affect you know, the, the clubs now, like the Charlottes and Louisville, and, you know, it'll be interesting. And with, uh, I heard MLS might go on strike too. Did you hear about that? No, I don't, I don't know. Well, they've been talking about the MLS guys here, been talking about that for a while now. But I just got a notification earlier this week and was like, MLS is preparing for a strike next season, all the players. Yeah, so. You saw that? You got a notification? Yeah. Yo, hear me my I feel like they, uh, Every time they get close to the, you know, the collective uh, bargaining agreements and things like that, it's it's always a threat to try to give some power to the players. Um, I think it's needed though. You think of every single league in this country has had a strike at some point in their history and it's benefited the players. Yeah. And like, based off the conversation I'm hearing from the dudes on my team, I mean, you already know how the system is, but they're just being treated like shit, and there's just so much money that the players aren't getting. And that, yeah, I mean, I feel like... So here's the question we, we had this conversation about. We're talking about the NBA, right? And how much power these these players have. So yeah, like, yeah, think about free like agency. Yeah, so the, the, the power of the, the players in the NBA 
versus the power that the players have in the MLS is night and day. You know, and even if you look at the MLS and the the players who do hold the power, like Zlatan, for example, you know, those are few and far between. And the MLS is making adjustments for those type of players. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, what about the, the, we don't want to call them average, but the average the domestic, domestic players. players the least, like, they're not taking care of us like that. And I just feel like proper strides want to be made. Like, I'm not even surprised that a strike might be coming on. They've been telling a couple guys on my team to hold on to their checks for like some months now. Like, be prepared for maybe even a season long one for next year. There's so a question though. You think the MLS, they can find players that are playing? Would you go? Like, I'm gonna go, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'm gonna go get my money because I'm gonna get money. And that's the fear, man. Because ultimately, players, even in the MLS, want to reach higher levels. I mean, we all do, you know? So to not play for, for money, you know, that's a, that's a big ask of the players. That's a dumb. I always beat Sunny in darts. I just got hustled. <laughs> I was focused on the red dot, but the red dot doesn't stay. Ah, well, perfect timing though, because let me introduce you guys to someone new who hasn't been on the show yet. For those who don't, for those of you who haven't are just joining on, George Davis and Brian Omi were on episode 12 last year. They're uh, one of my original guests, so go to episode 12, listen to their story because we won't be discussing it tonight. But we have a brand new guest for you. African player from Los Soto, one of my main homies, Sonny Jane. Kind of give us like your story and like how you got introduced to soccer and play soccer. What's up, everybody? I'm Sonny Jane. Real name, Tutleho Jane. Well, I mean, I started playing on the streets, you know, when I was around three. And um, I actually didn't start playing club until I was like eight, nine. But I played on the street with my brothers and his you know, friends. That's how it started for me. And uh, the time I wanted to play club, my brother, you know, it's like, nah, you know, it's, it's no use to play club now. Yeah, it's like, it's no use to play club now, you know. Like, he was already playing professional, so he was kind of like my mentor through that, just playing and teaching me stuff before I played. I went to, like, you know, play academy. And then, uh, once I was, I think I spent like three years just playing on the streets and him teaching me stuff, you know. You said you started when you were like, what, six, seven? Uh, I think I was like around eight, yeah. When I actually like played with the team. You know? That's the culture out there, right? Yeah, that's like the culture out there. Everybody just plays on the street, you know. Like you don't get introduced to like playing for, the t for a team until like, you know. But for him, I think, you know, like, because that's how he, it was for him when he was young. He played on the street and just had fun, you know, like, he thought, like, you know, just being on the street, you learn more. You learn more just playing and, like, skill-wise than, you know. So I did that and, uh, you know, he helped me with some stuff, too. When I was uh, eight, that's when I started my first love. But uh, I didn't play with my age when I was eight. I think when I was like age eight, I was playing with like uh, around like U13s or something like that. I was, yeah. And uh, this is a club in Lesotho. This is a club in Lesotho. Okay. Yeah, I played for Rangers, F uh, Rangers FC. What's funny about that story is like, uh, so like, if this is like my house, I would just 
uh, get out of the the yacht, and then the, my soccer team, like my the field is out there, you know. Yeah. So like I literally had to walk like less than 50 feet to step on that's the field. Awesome, that's so, why the coaches like that. Yeah. Everyone loved it yeah. because like it's right there. It's right there, you know. So like after school, sometimes I wouldn't even go home after school. I just go straight to play, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I guess like. What fascinates me like about like where I come from is that like you know like unlike uh, not like not that like bashing USA or anything but like it's like unlike USA like at home I got in trouble more in trouble about the fact that I was out on the streets playing and forgetting to eat than parents being mad that I'm always inside and not outside you know. So I was getting in trouble for being outside yeah. too much. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> As it should be though. Yeah. Now it ain't like that here at all. Yeah, yeah. You know, like especially like over the weekends, you know, like we would like just like you know, like you have like different like villages, like they have their own guys playing on the streets and we have our village on the streets. Over the weekend we just set up goals with rocks and stuff like that and then like we'll put up like some like Let's say like it's a dollar. Yeah. Each team puts a dollar down. The winner takes it all. So it was just like that, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like over the weekend, you leave at like 8 a.m. You don't go home until like 6, and your parents are mad. Like you haven't even <laughs> ate lunch. You haven't ate dinner. Like life, where have you been? Right, <laughs> you know. So like I was getting in trouble for that over like being in the house, which was fun, you know. But uh, when I was uh, I think 10, 11. From my club that I was playing for, you know, like I was like, like I would say like I was like one of the guys of the team, okay. and then I decided that like you know I need to take a different step and go to a different club that's a little bit higher. So there was this club called Emmanuel that was you know like we were rivalries with them, but like you know like they obviously they were like closer to like the city, and they were more advanced, right. like you know. So I decided to join them. That, that kind of cost like. So you had to pay now for this club. To, huh? You had to pay now for this club. No, I didn't have to pay. Oh, okay. Yeah, but they just like kind of the coach kind of recruited me to come play, so I just went to play. The club next to my house wasn't very happy. Um, my parents weren't happy because you know this was the village club. They feel this like on my backyard and stuff like that. So. It caused a lot of problems, but like for me, it was more about like developing my game than staying faithful to like the club. I mean, like you know, so I went and I played there for a year, and then after I played there for a year, I got a taste of like a youth national team, and uh, I think that's when I was yeah I was 11. I got a taste of the youth national team. Then we had like African games where we got to like uh, represent like the country with like Botswana and stuff like that. So. I played in that, and after playing that, I decided to join one of the city teams called Hunters FC. That's when I was uh, around 12. I'm not actually I was 11. I decided to wait. Sorry, I was 13. I decided to join Hunters FC, and when I was in Hunters FC, that's when like I became more in the picture with the national team, and I got selected to play with uh, the U17 national team. But I was only 13. Like, yeah, it was like a big honor, yeah, it was a big honor, and then uh, I played that game with, against Ghana, and funny story, when I, 
when I when I was playing for Hunters, I actually played as a number ten and number nine. But when I got recruited to play for the national team, I was playing three, but like as like an attacking three. Yeah. 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 So like I had to left wing by myself. Nice. It was, it was yeah, yeah. It was kind of like it was kind of like that. It was kind of yeah. <laughs> it was it was good. I still run, Joe. <laughs> but it was it was fun though, cause like you know like like not many people like expected it at all because I was always like in like the middle. But then like when they see me in the national team, just. When they see me in the national team, just running the running the wing like that, you know, it was uh, it was funny, but it was a great experience. And then I think I played for the team for like half a year. Then uh, one of like the owners of the team was friends with Tabani Sutu, which everybody knows. Like he's like he used to, he was a goalkeeper for Lobo. He got opportunity to go coach in Orlando City, and now he's like the goalkeeper for Orlando City. But uh, my coach got. My coach back home started talking with Tabani about like for the team in Lobo United 1996 FC to get like a couple of players, foreign players to come play. And uh, that's when I got opportunity with my brother Lapiakula to come to the US and play. So we got that chance to come play. And you came, how old were you when you came? When I came, I was 13. Yeah. 13? Wow. Yeah. So. It was like right after those like yeah. games and after I made my move to that new team. So I think I spent about like four four months with that team and then like I, they gave me that huge opportunity to come here. And you know like by a day. Yeah, I came to Louisville, you know, but like it was a big decision for like my family to make because you know like I think after that like my dad had just passed away. My sister was like going to school, my brother's going to school, so it was like me, my mom, so. But I think like everybody in the family understood like where my heart was at, and then like, you know, even though it was a tough decision for them to let me come in the US at that young age to like place, and I don't know, my first time on the flight, my first time out of the so too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was, it was huge. So how was that adjustment for you? It wasn't easy. It was tough. Yeah, it was a tough. It was a tough adjustment, and I had some moments where, like, I just wanted to get out and go home. You know, like, you know, waking up in the room of my house, and then, like, no offense, like, yeah. But like, we had an amazing host family, you know, and we had Tabani and uh, his family here, which they are from my country. They spoke the same language. So that kind of made the adjustment a little bit better too. And the fact that like they could invite us to their house and cook us some like risotto meal, like when we like feeling homesick, you know. So I mean like it kind of helped us a lot. Oh, how close are they to you, to your family? Huh? How close are they to you? Like they they come see you often, so what? Yeah, okay. they, they were like probably like a fifteen minute oh, okay, drive. Okay. Right? So I know yeah. that helped definitely. Yeah, definitely helped. So you went through the whole high school system. We went to eighth grade here, and then went to like whole high school sixth yeah, here. Crazy. So like, what's been tough was like, I did not speak any English coming here, so, <laughs> so I had to go straight through eighth grade, not speaking any English, have to pass eighth grade and go to high school, not knowing. 
school or soccer? The hard adjustment was school. School. Yeah, soccer was just you know like you know it's soccer, you know, but like the hardest part was school. You know, like you know, not speaking English, not being able to communicate, or like tell people how you feel about stuff. And, like even when we were homesick, all we could do with love was to talk to each other, or like call Tabane and tell him, but we couldn't talk to our host family because like we didn't speak that well English. Wow. So, wow. so how would they communicate to you? Um. So I mean, like we took like English classes the minute we got back, you know, but like. But like before then, like you know, like they would communicate to us with Tabani, you know, like you know, like if there was something we need that we are not able to tell them, we would like tell Tabani and Tabani would tell them. You know, it was kind of a tough process, but at the, at the end, it kind of worked, you know. So when did you start getting comfortable, kind of here, and then let's say you say like sophomore in high school, like how long? Did you I would say I started like feeling comfortable in the years. I said like on oh, like sophomore year. Yeah, I was a sophomore year, high school, yeah. That's when I was like, you know, more comfortable, like, you know, I could like communicate well, speak with people well, didn't need as much help English wise and stuff like that. So how are you doing now on the field in soccer? How was the competition for you? Easier here? I mean, honestly, like for me growing up, the competition was easier, you know. I think uh, competition like became tougher like once I reached the college level. That's when like you know, okay, so high school was pretty easy. Right? High school was pretty easy. I mean, like you were what like Jacklins, all state. Yeah, like all state, like. I was invited to like Adidas ESP and stuff like that. So And that's how you got recruited kind of That's how I got it recruited. Actually, yeah. I think I got like Sasha started recruiting me my sophomore or like yeah, sophomore year, something like that. Cause wow, I remember, really? yeah. Cause I remember if my English was good, like he wanted me to like do whatever I could to like leave after my junior year to go to college, but like I couldn't because you know English wasn't that good. So. But yeah, I started, I started recruiting me early. I think I committed my beginning of my junior year to Maryland. So, <laughs> early too, yeah, wow. it was super early. How was uh, Maryland for you though? Maryland I mean, was college amazing. Life the, college, from the college life is amazing. To College Park, Maryland. <laughs> yeah, I mean like, you know, like one of my favorite thing was like beating up on Virginia, you know, like, you know. So that was like one of my favorite parts. Me too though. I I know Ombi doesn't like to hear that, but you know, we kind of rule the ACC, you know, like Maryland. You know, my years of my yeah, uh, actually no, the year before Seven, you came, the year before I came, but uh, I won ACC three times. I won ACC three times when I was there, regular season and tournament. Yeah, so you know. We were kind of like kings of the ACCs, you know? Uh, no. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're in his head, you're in his head. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody knows Ombi can't throw the darts normally now. What? <laughs> Bouncing off. <laughs> so yeah, it was, um, I enjoyed Maryland, man. Sash was an amazing coach. Very, very tough. I don't think I've, I will ever like any coach that's had a Sash, to be honest, yeah. like, you know, he's tough in a good way, though. Tough in a good way, man. I think, like, uh, that guy prepared me for a lot in life, like, you know, coaching wise, like, living the life that I want and everything, like, you know, he, he prepared me for it. Man. Like, I'm thankful that, like, I got to, like, 
I'm thankful that you know, I, I got to like learn everything from him. He's got to be my coach, you know. He's, he's an amazing person. You didn't look at the lifestyle and part, you know, this college now. You yeah. Know, like, you come from the social, like, yeah. just that lifestyle was good for you. Like, you had people around you that kind of helped you out. Like, yeah, I mean, you, we know people that aren't playing pro anymore. Yeah got caught up in the college lifestyle, yeah. you know, like, it's yeah. an animal in itself, like, yeah, I mean, it, it, honestly, it is, and I'm not gonna lie, I feel like it, like, now that I look at my life, like, back in college compared to now, I feel like I did get caught up in that lifestyle yeah, yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah, yeah. I feel like we all yeah, have, yeah, at some point, yeah, you catch yourself, and I feel like I realized my senior year, when I had my sports hernia, and I'm like, you know what, Maybe if I didn't like enjoy college so much, so like you know, I would be preventing all this. But like you know, and at the end, it's a reality. It's a college yeah, life. Yeah, Everybody yeah. wants to do it, you know. But uh, <laughs> as far as like how much it affected me, like coming from the Sutu and stuff like that, I wouldn't say. I would say like I mean, going to Maryland, you know, it's a big school. Like yeah. soccer is huge. You know, so we have a very very diverse group. You know, like we have like a couple of guys from we have like a guy from Zimbabwe, Nigeria. I room with a kid from Norway, Haiti. So like it was very very diverse. So like you know, I feel like that helped me. Like you know, like being involved. Like you know, like sure. it made the transition sure, easier for me. For Having sure. a lot of culture around. Having a lot of culture around. Yeah. Somewhere else, a different country. Like exactly. That you share. You share a lot. Yeah. You know. And uh, I feel like you know that that. It, it really like made me easy for me because like I was able to connect with them like learn about their culture and stuff like that and like I still like in contact with those guys in some ways you know like we have family you know like I'm thankful that I got to meet all of them you know so it's nice and that's why I love this sport because you get to meet so many different yes, people you yes, get to travel you know for real though like it's, this yeah from Richmond days from Richmond days yeah you know it's amazing did you get drafted? No, I actually did not get drafted because I got my senior year, I barely played because I had, uh, I played in the regular season, but going into the tournament, I had a sports, I had sports hernia. So I had to get surgery, I think, uh, when we were going to Sweet 16, I went, or something like that, I went to get my surgery, but I was only out for three weeks, which was amazing, the shortest. Spotania, alright. <laughs> and then I played against the junior in the semi-final, which we beat them to go to the there. final. No it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're there or not, Ombi. It just shows that I, I ruled Virginia. Cause I think I lost to Virginia twice when I was in college. <laughs> That's it. Well, I was there. Yeah, I think I lost them twice. UVA once, but retired a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think. We were playing them when you were there. When I was there. I yeah. Was there. Uh, I, I mopped as a thing. My freshman year, I played. Yeah. Uh, I retired. So I don't know if you were there. We played. Uh, didn't you come down to us? I think it was your sophomore year, maybe. Like years ago yeah. now. <laughs> we're old. We're old though. So, yeah. I'm looking at the schedule again. Yeah. But yeah. So you didn't get drafted. Had to get drafted. Um, honestly, opportunities came from just, I guess, knowing the right people. You know. Having those connections with Tabani and the right people that like you know like a little bit higher, you know. And 
actually Sash played a huge part of that because like I went to Wilmington. That was my first like professional team. I remember playing. Oh, you went to Wilmington? No, no Wilmington Hammerheads. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The Hammerheads. I forgot about. Yeah. You know, you know, he had yeah. a game against yeah. us. Oh, you were in Richmond. You guys in Richmond? Right? Yeah. We were beating you. We were beating you guys two zero in the first half. And then I got hurt. Oh, hurt his ankle. I had my ankle. And Sonny then, like, was killing us, that, that game, game changed. Remember the last game of the regular season we just got destroyed? No, by no. Uh, that was that like, was I think it was the off. opener. Uh, I think it was, it might have been our opener. Yeah, or like second uh, game. It yeah. was early in the season. Yeah, it was early in the season. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I think I no, yeah. I Because I remember Santa coming to me after the game. I was like, thank God you got hurt. <laughs> yeah, I was mad. He was killing us. Yeah. You remember playing this yeah, I remember that. Yeah, that's but, crazy. Yeah, that was. So how did that even come up? You just went to trials or something? Or? No, I actually didn't. Right after college, I didn't even have to try out. You know, like I think Saj, who, uh, Jason Arnold, who's like the GM, went to Maryland, and then like Saj talked to him. Saj talked to him and hooked me up, and luckily he already like knew who I was and watched some of our games in college. So I just got a contract right off the bat. That's how it all started for me. Yeah. From there to Richmond. From there to Richmond. From Richmond to Cambodia. How's Cambodia? Cambodia was nice, bro. Yeah. Cambodia was nice. It was nice. Yeah, it was amazing. Living was straight. They paid you on time. Like Being, living, uh, living was straight. We lived in like a mansion, you know. Like all the foreign players, like they gave like the boss, like the boss, like gave them like a mansion. It's like a huge house. Has like six rooms and it was like only like three of us living there. Yeah, you know, it's a good lifestyle. And then, uh, you know, the only thing that was like was was tough was the language. You know, like learning Khmer was like one of the, the toughest things. Did like, you say you learned it a little bit? Yeah, I learned it a little bit, yeah. and I was able to communicate a little bit. I could go to like shopping center by myself okay, and okay, just okay. ask for yeah, stuff which was see. nice yeah. but uh i would say it was like one of the toughest language ever. <laughs> i remember her and like uh, living in cambodia also like reminded me of home because you know like you find a lot of like a lot of people like you see a lot of people walking around you see a lot of people outside and stuff like that you know no offense to the U.S., but you know, like everybody just all about Blood their cars and like media. yeah, locked in social media, playing Fortnite, only. You got a kid winning three mil on Fortnite. Yeah, crazy. Crazy. Putting all these miles on my body, I could be playing a video, video game. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's funny, man. Oh, okay. Yeah. But yeah, and the soccer was nice too. You know, I got I got to travel a lot to like Malaysia, Thailand, Indonesia, like all those like those countries. Competition was alright. Competition was good. You know, like I feel like I was in I was like on one of the best clubs in Cambodia, but like you know, but. If like on paper we had like a good team, like like you know, a team that like nobody thought like we we're gonna like win, like you want it all, so like it was just like you know, yeah, competition was good, and I think like we got like fourth or something like that in the league, and like that was very unexpected because you know like the team had just like spent a lot of money to like bring us all in and stuff like that, but you know, competition 
What was the uh, like cup competition like in Cambodia? Was there a the cup competition besides the AFC Cup? It was the one. It was the the weird thing about it because like the cup competition only Khmer players could play in a cup competition. No foreign players were not were allowed really? to play. Yeah. Like the local cup, no foreign players are allowed to play. So like we could only play like AFC Champions League or like AFC Cup yeah. if like the team was in it. Which was like the red part, but like we didn't play like the domestic cup, we couldn't play in it at all. Yeah. And uh, one of the rules too was like so like each team was allowed to have like four foreign players. No, each team was allowed to have like five foreign players on their on their roster but I think only three could be in the 18 yeah so that part was weird too only three four players to be on the roster yeah only on the 18 on the 18 yeah but I think this year when I was talking because one of my friends my good friends who were who he was the reason yeah, I went yeah, to Cambodia yeah. Johnny Campbell yeah. he's still there and he said no the rules change now like you can have five foreign players, four can play and one can still be a sub, so like you can only sub a foreign player for a foreign player, which is like a little bit better. But still it's it's a bit of a weird rule. Yeah. So how's it feel for you though to be back in Louisville your hometown I mean it feels nice to be back in Louisville, you know? I was kinda like missing the US a little bit, you know, like but yeah, plus Ombi couldn't. You, know you came back to <laughs> home and to the TV. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like Ombi couldn't stop telling me about coming back to the US, like you know, telling me he's getting married. Yeah. So I was like, you know what? I'm gonna like try to hook a brother up and come back to Lulu, play with him, and see how that goes, you know. And uh, it's been up and down, ups and downs, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say, how's it been for you guys though this year? Very adversity. Yeah. What'd you say? Had a lot of adversity this year. Yeah. Especially with the club. Yeah. The club's always done well. It was the first year. You know, yeah. Results haven't gone our way. So. Yeah. 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 So the U.S.L. is growing as a league, like, out of the 18 teams, maybe one's bad, but I don't even think they're that bad, like, I'm not saying Hartford's bad at all, because they pulled out some offsets, but, like, yeah. I don't even know who's, like, that bad now in the East, where, like, just anybody can be, yeah. Yeah, I think if you, look, if you look at the standings, man, it says it all, because everybody's, like, right there with everybody, like, you look at, like, the top 10 teams, they're all, like, within the points of each other, so, like, it just shows, like, how competitive actually is, you know? Like anybody can beat anybody on a given day. To be honest, that's how I think about it. What y'all think about Pulisic scoring twice though for Chelsea? Good for him. Yeah, that's yeah, big for him. That's big for him. Big for him. Big for us. Low key too. Just to have an American on the stage like that, doing his thing. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I just hope it, it, you know, it translates for him. You know, you know the, the U.S. and they're gonna put a lot of pressure, pressure on this guy. Media too and yeah. all that. Yeah. I saw something that's gonna be called the Wonder Boy. Yeah, that? yeah. yeah. yeah I saw that today. The Wonder Boy or something. Yeah, it's today. He said he doesn't identify as that. Yeah. Anymore. 
I just hope the media doesn't ruin him, you know. Yeah. Like, and I hope he doesn't pay too much attention to the media and just keeps doing him, you know. So I feel like that would help him a lot. But I, I think the better the other players, like you know McKinney and some of the other guys who are playing in Europe and playing in big leagues, if they can continue to to grow and, and be on that level, it helps. It helps him, you know. When, when he uh, they have to wear the national team jersey and they get all this pressure and stuff. So. It's hard for me to sit here and criticize the national team because there's so many things from the ground level that I think have been, have been wrong, you know? Yeah. Uh, so to actually like be critical of the top, I think it, it starts at the 
know, how they are producing players and you know, yeah. giving players opportunities early in their career. And things, you know, so that's my take. No, I mean, I agree with that for sure. You obviously see now with Berhalter, and you saw the results before the Gold Cup. You know, I think we had a conversation about it. You're like, it looked like they were just trying to go after the players they already had their eyes on for the future instead of the current best players in the country, which I think has been a big issue with U.S. soccer. Obviously, you want to develop these players because there's good young talent. But at the same time, when you're competing in major championships like Gold Cup, you want to win those things and you want to take your best players, you know? So, yeah, you want to groom your young guys, but you want to have a mix, I feel like. And sometimes I feel like you just... U.S. soccer has their eyes on set guys already. You know, there's other players in the MLS or USL maybe that just get put off because they have their eyes set on certain individuals. I feel like yeah, like they want they want guys to be. But you saw it. They say they do too, but they don't really want that. Like for me, for example. Andrew Gutman, who you guys played against, right? He, being as a USL player, being called up to the first team camp big time, big time, you know what I'm saying? But he told me, <clears throat> cool with him, when he came back, they were like, because he played for the USL, there's almost like, there's like no way they're gonna sign him up, sign him to the, what was it, 23-man roster? Like, left back position was pretty open, he was doing his thing out there, so he did pretty well, but they were just like, there's almost no way a USL player is making a 23 or 30 man roster for the US national team. Looks bad, image doesn't boast well for them. Like It looks good that he got invited, but they're not transitioning to bringing in a USL player to the 30 man roster. And I was like, damn. But this situation is unique too, I mean, because, I mean, like you said, he was a Celtic, you know, and he's on that contract, where, you know, so he obviously had a higher pedigree. Um, so that's that's an interesting situation, you know. But like when Klinsmann was in charge, he brought in uh, who was it, Miguel Labar? Yeah, and he was in there. Yeah, he was in playing second division, and then you know, I mean, Jordan Morris was playing in college when he brought him into the national team. So that's those are all interesting situations too, because like I mean, for me, when that happened, I felt like okay, maybe the the standard is changing. Like maybe like. He sees something that's gonna like change the the way like U.S. soccer does things, you know? Cause like the way I look at it, I feel like for like example like U.S.L. teams like playing example like MLS teams. There are a lot of U.S.L. teams that can beat MLS teams. We have seen it happen, and you guys were part of it too, you know? And I feel like if people can see that, I feel like everybody should be looked at to represent like the country not because like they're in an MLS not because they're playing in Europe you know because if USL team can beat MLS team it shows that like even though yes you're not in the highest part of the league you're still capable of performing and doing things better than the guys that are out there because at the end of the day it's not all about the skill it's about like okay yeah you have the skill it's about knowing the right people and getting into luck involved and then like, you know, it's all about politics. Contacts and politics. Yeah. So, I, so I ask you guys this thing, like, if that's how you feel, which is, is valid, like, I think the question is, why aren't those players being uh, brought into the next level, to the top level, you know? Like, because it's hard for, 
even the national team coach or the people in the higher ups to justify bringing a player who can't make it in the first division of his own country, but he's one of the best 23 to 30 players in the country. So it's hard for them to justify bringing this guy into my team when he's not earned a spot amongst 20, what, four MLS teams? You know, now, granted, that's a whole nother conversation, but that's that's where I think the issue lies. Like, are we, like, and I think I think it's growing. I think it's always getting better. You know, but I know it's a lot. I've played with a lot of players who were definitely good enough to play in the top division or play in you know other top divisions in in Europe or South America or Mexico or wherever it may be, but they never got that opportunity or they would look past or. It didn't work out. And I also know a bunch of guys who skated through the MLS for a couple of years, got paid, and were never really about it, you know? So, it, it, I think it's, for me, the conversation is more so how do we get the players who are coming up through the pro ranks the best opportunity to excel in the high, at the highest level they can, you know? Give, give as many players as we can an opportunity, and I think that grows all leagues. Like, I think that just grows the level. Yeah. I did, you know, but I didn't at the same time, you know. I had 2014, I had, you know, my best season. And I went, I trained with Houston for a week, and I trained with D.C. for a week. Both teams invited me to preseason. So I had to choose which team I was going to preseason with. At the time, Houston had just got rid of uh, Dom Kinnear. And they brought in Owen Coyle, uh, the staff at Houston, the GM. They they invited me to preseason. I accepted. So I was planning to go to preseason in Houston. Uh, literally like four days before I was set to fly out for preseason. Uh, for whatever reason, whether it was like I was still under contract in Richmond, so I don't know if that had something to do with it. I don't know if it was because I would have been on a senior contract. I have no idea why, but they de-invited me from preseason. So <laughs> here I am thinking like, I'm gonna go to preseason, I'm finally gonna get my chance. I have been playing in the USL for 11, 12, four years, and I've had four good seasons, you know? I had been like all league three out of the four years or something like that. So. Like, it was time, you know, for me to at least get an opportunity. Uh, yeah, I got de-invited, so then it's like, okay, I can't go to Houston. Can I still go to D.C.? And D.C. was like, well, our preseason's full now. And so I, I didn't go to preseason, and then, yeah. But that's why that's why you know I tell all the younger players, right? If you get an opportunity in a two team, like that's your opportunity. All those guys they're getting opportunities to train with the first team. They're getting opportunities to be seen amongst the first team players, you know? And that's all I ever wanted. Like that's honestly all I ever wanted. And if I would have been and it would have been like, you know what, you came to preseason and you weren't good enough, I'd have been able to take that on the chin, you know? Um, but 
there's also something about me that, you know, stopped me from, from making that move, whatever it may be. And I can't control that. So, you know, I still enjoy my football, you know, and that's all I can do. So, But that's why I'm a huge advocate for these young players, like, and every player, old or not, you know. I don't care if you're 30 years old. If you're good enough, you deserve to be in the MLS. So you deserve to be in the top division or you deserve an opportunity, you know. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of... That's where I stand on that. I, uh, yeah, I had it after my second year back in Richmond. So the year he was coming in for preseason, that's when the new coaching staff came in. And that was my little year before that. 2014 was my last season there. And they cleared house right when the new coach came in. So I was part of that house that got cleared. <laughs> uh, so then I ended up in Richmond. George and had a decent year, obviously, but got hurt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then that next season, I got the opportunity to go train with Colorado in preseason, and I was actually doing really well. I remember that. But then I got cut for injury concerns. So I can understand yeah. I've had injuries in my career. Concerns though, like not, you yeah. were injured at the time. You were no, good, balling out. Yeah, I remember so, you telling me you were on like two of the three starting lineups and stuff. Yeah, like. it was nice. I thought I was doing well. <laughs> But that's the nature of it, you know. Oh it's, a, it's a business, so a business. they had they had some guys come in, some older guys than me at the time. They had more experience, and you know, they went with them. I was already under contract with Richmond. I had an, I had a deal in my contract though that if I got offered an MLS deal, I could leave for free. For free, it was a nice thing that Lee did for me. But um, obviously, it didn't work out. I came back to Richmond, but you know, for me. It, I wish I could have taken my three years in Houston a little bit different, but at the same time, I felt like I was just a number on the team, you know? Like, how in Houston? Yeah. Like, how so, though? Like what made you feel that way? Just because, you know, how you feel in practice, you felt like you were doing well, but you were just getting looked past. I had Brad Davis in front of me, good player, outside mid, national team. Boniang Garcia, who's still there to this day. Outside mid, Honduran national team. And then they would always bring in guys that had more experience from Europe or from another team. So I felt like every time I would make a step, I would get put back down. So it's kind of the nature of it, and that's how it kind of almost put that view in my head. This is how it is. But at this point in time, for me, I just want to enjoy soccer because right, right, right. you can't play all your life. So regardless of what level it is, obviously we all achieve to play at the highest level. But I want to enjoy it. So I can say that I at least enjoyed this part of my life playing soccer because you can't, I'm not going to be able to do this until I'm 40, exactly, 50, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's such a short span in your career. Yeah. So next thing you know, 20 years goes by and that 20 years is longer than the career you had in soccer. So for me, you got to enjoy it. And at least while I've been here, we've won two championships and it's been fun. <laughs> right, back to back too. So, yeah, that's the thing. They always preach about the youth here in this country, but they might bring in some youth players, but don't, I feel like they don't trust the youth. They're not giving the youth opportunities, so they keep bringing in Spanish players, international players, players just go over the youth and like maybe use the youth for practice or open cup games, but not actually trusting the youth as in the Europeans are just throwing the youth out there. And you learn from those experiences as well. Like We have to learn from your mistakes, you know what I'm saying? Of course, of course. Yeah. But you look at the MLS, man. It's a money-making business. Yeah. So they want fans in the stadium. Fans are coming for these international players that have made it. 
Wayne Rooney's, the Zlatans, even though they're older, they can still compete. They're killing the league. You see it. But they don't want to come see a, a George Davis, a Sonny Jane, a Brian Ovi. They don't know anything about us. You know, that's, that's, how, that's the way American sports are. They want to see the superstars. You see them in football, you see them in basketball. So that's, that's just my view. Zlatan's quote, you know, about... In America, all the clubs want to make money, you know? In Europe, it's about... Passion, you know, it's about like what you said, the winning. Yeah, it's about trophies and like you know the, the joy and you know the, the passion. And it's it's a very interesting statement coming from Zlatan, you know, because if you look at the MLS model, at the end of the day, man, they're trying to make a buck. Even even the investors, you know, they're coming in to yeah, we, they want MLS teams not because it's. Cool, and then like it's what you know our passion. We love the club. We love the city. It's like, nah, like I'm gonna get a dollar off of this. They did James Harden. Yeah, yeah. Yes, supposed to offer us, but we know our man's trying to make a buck. Yeah, it's a sport. You know, he likes. Oh man, I, I just. Subscribe, let you let these guys know your favorite parts of the show. Give them a follow on IG, Twitter, anytime. Comment, let us know um, what you guys thought about the future episodes, recent episodes, what part connected with you guys. And, you know, thank you guys for following along and stay tuned for future episodes. Thanks to our sponsor, Golden Gold Press, the best choice for you to get custom shirts, hats, mugs, and other items for just yourself or your organization. Check out their amazing products at a fraction of the price of other places at goldengoldpress.com. Also, thanks to Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com.